As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. Uh, Before I forget... Let me just say happy Thanksgiving to everyone. I'm talking to you on Tuesday morning, but this will be the last episode I put up before Thanksgiving. So I wanted to give that a uh, shout out. Hope you guys, uh, whether you're just uh, watching football all day, not just, that's what people do on Thanksgiving, uh, eating all the food or, or hanging out with your family. Hope you have a blast, whatever you end up doing. And speaking of having a blast, uh, I think you guys will really enjoy this episode I came up with a bunch of fill-in-the-blank or true-and-false questions regarding the commanders helping me give those answers is our pal with the Washington Post, Nikki Jabvala. You can, of course, follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. Follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig and subscribe to The Athletic, not to mention subscribe to this podcast on iTunes Spotify, or listen ad-free on The Athletic. Uh, interesting week, of course. Oh, let me let me not forget. If you did, if you missed it, I did a solo podcast after the Houston game. In addition, I spoke with our NFL Draft insider, Dane Brugler, regarding the 2023 draft. We, we jumped, got a, got a little bit of a head start on the quarterbacks, offensive line, sleepers, why does Dane think that quarterback play in the NFL is down, uh, et cetera? So a really good primer there as you start looking ahead, even just for bowl season coming up, to get a feel for some of the players to keep an eye on for sure. Um, okay, so interesting week here, of course, for the Commanders. We keep looking now at 6-5. and five. They're obviously in this playoff mix, right? They are the 8th. Seed, I guess there's no a seed, but you know what I mean. Seven teams make the playoffs with three wild cards. Washington is the first team on the outside, and they are half a game behind uh, Seattle, and they're right there in the mix. But this week is it's a little bit of a must win for the team they're playing, and that's the Atlanta Falcons because the Atlanta is the one team directly behind Washington at five and six. With a loss, Atlanta would be two games back of Washington and had lost a head-to-head, so you would kind of think that they would be out. But if they win, now all of a sudden, they're tied with Washington, would have the head-to-head tiebreaker, and you know would knock Washington back uh, a bit further. The commanders, if they win, and if the Giants lose on Thursday at Dallas, then the Week 13 matchup in New York would give Washington a chance to tie the Giants which seemed implausible uh, not that long ago, considering how hot the Giants started the season and how cold Washington did. But that's where we're at right now. We're, we're, we're talking about the playoffs. Yes, Kim Moore, we're talking about the playoffs uh, because the commanders have put themselves in that position, winning five of six. And now, of course, they're going to go forward with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Chase Young is on the 53, whether he plays this week is another story. That's one of the questions Nikki and I discussed is when will Chase Young actually play? Uh, so all that is um, in the mix 
as well. All right, and uh, you know, as far as these questions go, we, uh, one of them is who's the most underrated player uh, during this five and one stretch? And we went through some players. I was thinking about it afterwards, though. I think one name to to keep an eye on, and it's not a player, or or to mention, I should say, not a player, is defensive line coach Jeff Scanina, because we keep talking about how this defensive line has really blossomed. Uh, it's not like John Allen and Jerron Payne and Montez Sweat haven't played well before, but this feels like it's the most connected they have been. And and, and obviously kudos also to James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill, F.A. Obata, John Ridgway has really come on. Uh, they have really done a good job. And, you know, I always you know, say it's you can't always tell where's the line between the player's development and the assistant sort of imploring them along the way and helping them out. But it doesn't seem like it's a coincidence that they played better since Scanina took over as the full-time defensive line coach after they fired Sam Mills in training camp. So just wanted to mention that. Don't always mention the assistants uh, below the coach and the coordinators, but I thought that was uh, in my head as we were discussing that category. That was something that came to mind for sure. Um, all right, uh, no more dilly-dallying. I don't know, do people say that? Am I sounding like an old guy if I say that? Who knows? <laughs> um, in any event, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Nikki Jabvala. Fill in the blanks and true or false questions to give us a better feel for where things are at with the commanders right here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, uh, welcoming back to the podcast. You know her, you love her. Uh, well, the Washington Post uh, lead beat reporter for the Commanders, Nikki Jabala, is with me. I, I saw you at an ungodly early hour this morning uh, at, at the Houston airport. We, we've arrived back in D.C. We've heard from Ron Rivera, and now we're going to catch up for a minute. How are you doing with all this uh, traveling and all this winning? Um, it's a lot of traveling. I do not like when the clear lane doesn't work like it's supposed to. And I have to sprint through the airport like I ended up doing in Houston this morning. But otherwise, everything is going well. And I'm enjoying watching winning football again. It really is wild. I mean, to think we're one in four and the Chicago Bears were a half a yard away from making them one in five <laughs> to now they are. Um, you know where, where they are they're they're in the conversation for the for the playoffs like for real not just like hypothetically but like in a real uh way and uh there's like the momentum is significant to the point we just got off the zoom a, a little bit ago with Ron Rivera he was flat out giddy like i mean i've i i had to, i had to ask him i was like dude what what is going on here because you, i've never seen you this happy uh that's where they are right now the head coach of the football team middle of the season is like all smiles yeah. Yeah. No, uh, life comes at you fast. Um, and in the case of the commanders, it's come in like a really positive way um, on the field. That is. Um, yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's been really interesting to watch. I mean, because now we're, we're starting to see a lot of the things that Ron Rivera has been preaching and saying would happen for years, really. Like we need, guys to grow and develop well now they got two young guys starting in the secondary and Jamin and Davis is starting to play you know more like you know a, a first round guy you know he he's preached consistency they've you know stacked five wins out of their last six games um you know they they got a quarterback they believe in whether they believe he's a long-term starter beyond the season we'll see um and they got a lot of dynamic playmakers so they're in, they're in really good standing right now, and it's it's fun to see them kind of emerge as a team on, a ri- on the rise. Um, I'll get to the true, false, and fill in the blank questions that I meticul- meticulously prepared for this in the last ten minutes. Uh, but uh, um, but just but just to that point of like this is what Ron Rivera has been saying what would happen. You know, this is what is the challenge I think with uh, focusing on an NFL team week to week because there is only the one game. The 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 the, drum, the drama swings one way or the other so often, and I, you know I know I try to be grounded. I, I know you do as well, and it's just hard sometimes because you know you're watching this. And we're going, what are we supposed to say? I mean, they're you know they're floundering here, they're floundering there. Where we see the reaction on Twitter, uh, we have people asking us questions on radio shows or whatever, and like 
ah, like it's hard sometimes it's like well th- i don't know what to say but also we can't see everything right we don't see practices um so all we can do is sort of watch the games but this is starting around in a form but it is so hard i think to just be patient but which is basically what he's been preaching all this time and you know for, good for him i guess it's paying off yeah no i mean i i I think he's got like, and I kind of want to ask about this today, but we're limited to only a couple questions on the zooms, but you know, I go way back to like his first presser. I actually wasn't even on the beat at the time, but I think it was at the combine with you guys. Um, And he was talking about finding his core players. And like, this is the first time where I feel like he seems to have found his core players. I mean, like they got their leaders in the locker room. They got, really strong players on offense. They got a really good defense players that they've extended and kept Um, their special teams looks really good. Like they're playing complimentary football, which I know is like a buzzword they like to use, but it's true. All three phases are contributing. Not one is a liability right now. And that's usually been the case over the years. But, you know, I think the bigger thing is those core players, guys like Terry and John Allen and Deron. We'll see what they do do with him but you know he's become a really good player front um you know jamin davis coming into his own i really like what Derek forrest and benjamin st juice are doing in the secondary um curtis coming into his own uh, after missing more than almost a year with that injury and you know taylor kind of being the glue of it all at quarterback it's it's fun to watch it's interesting to watch um and you just kind of hope it lasts yeah, for, for for sure. And uh, w- our, w- last thing I'll say before we go into this, yesterday was a really good example. There's nothing there, – I got a lot of pet peeves, people on Twitter. The, one of the biggest ones is when people say, you just want to talk about them losing. You're always negative, blah, blah, blah. And I promise you, yesterday was a really great example of why that is insane because they were really in a good mood. John Allen, easily his best press conference he's ever given with us a- at any point. And you know why? Because they're winning. That's, I don't want to be around miserable people. I got my own problems. Right. So here's let's clear this up. Now, none of us want them to lose when they lose. They are a bear to deal with. We don't like that. And nobody likes to read about losing teams. So nobody reads our work. So selfishly, we like them to win. There yeah. you have it. There, there, there you have it. All right. Let's get to the questions. Um, neither one of us are allowed to pass. There's no, there's no phone a friend, although you've got, if you want to ask your dogs for help, that's fine. All right. Okay. Well, just to put a, buzz, a a capper on this game, what was your biggest takeaway from the win in any capacity? Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me was their consistency. Um, you know, I think in the past we've seen them have – like strong games and then the next game they'll they'll completely collapse or they'll have a strong half and the next half they'll implode. Um I thought this game taken in conjunction with the win in Philly, I thought it showed a lot about this team. Um going from the best team in the league to the worst and still maintaining their level of play. Um you know, it wasn't perfect. I don't think any of their games have been perfect. That's kind of the Heineke style anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but certainly in the first half, they were pretty freaking dominant. Um, they let up a little bit in the second half. Um, but I, I like Ron. I mean, I, I like how they responded. Um, and I, I, I think Taylor has changed a lot this season too. Uh, I go, uh, you want me to explain? Sure, go for it. Okay. Um, I just think he's learned a lot. I, I You can see it. I mean, I thought the Minnesota game especially was a big one. where he, He's not forcing things. He'll throw it away or take a knee or, um, you know, they'll take the less glamorous play so as not to force something and, and risk interception or worse. Um, and I think that's huge. My dog says hello. Um, and no disrespect to Carson Wentz, but I think that was something that, he seemed to struggle with his, he was always going for that home run play and it would get him into trouble quite a bit. It would get the line into trouble. Um, but I think Taylor is really showing that he's quite capable of developing when he gets an opportunity. And I don't know. I just kind of think that opens up a bigger opportunity for him and for the team going forward. 
we'll talk more about Heineke in a second, but to your point of sort of that he's like grown or matured or, or whatever exactly you said, Rivera today said that Taylor's kind of a hyper guy out there. And, and that's true. I get it. But like when we're around him in the locker room, his personal maturity seems to have grown a lot. He is very calm. He does not at all seem like he's affected by anything that's happening. Good or or bad and, and that to me i mean obviously last year you know since he's arrived it's been a crazy circumstance he goes up has to play tom brady in the playoffs then last year gets thrust into the to be the starter for 15 games and this year he just you know kind of figured he was the bench guy but he just seems like he's uh good with himself and i think that's i think that's part of what rubs off on people um as well i think he's always been like that like I mean, we granted we didn't get to see him in person because of the COVID restrictions, but um, last year I I thought he was the same way. Like, you know, at times where it's like the walls are collapsing around this franchise, and he seems pretty even keeled. Um, everybody expects him to screw up because he's an undrafted kid or he's not the designated starter, and he seemed pretty even keeled. Um, and then going into this situation, he's very re- realistic about what he is what the team views him as uh, what his role is um and he just comes in and, and does his thing and you know i think it's as we're around him more i think we've come to realize that a lot of it is a product of, of his journey in the nfl and um you know nearly being out of the game entirely he was for a stretch but you know moving almost moving on completely to finish his mathematics degree at old dominion um and and now he's back so he, he doesn't take anything for granted and i just think that's like i think that's such a good thing for a developing team younger team new team that's kind of emerging like they are i think that's such a good message like when you're that's your quarterback like if he feels like that you know yeah. a lot of these guys should too yeah, for sure. Uh, I I guess in my head, it's sort of like the only time we've ever seen Taylor Heineke in the locker room, essentially, prior to being back in, was that video of him with the St. Louis Battlehawks where he's shotgunning beer, which seems to be more in line with the pylon diving kind of a guy who's hyper. And that's why yeah. I'm kind of like, now that we see him like in the wild, as it were, it's like, oh, he's actually a fairly yeah. convert guy. But anyway, people, yeah. people mature. All right, let's and get back. Until he's got bush light on a plane and he's wearing everybody's chain. Oh my god, that was that's so unfortunate. We we we'll have to find out somehow what what the punish what the uh, punishment was he got for that because he got, I guess he broke the rule, but he kind of got screwed because all his teammates were filming him when he had the beer. He was trying to be low key with the trash can. All right, anyway, nice. fill in the blank. The most underrated player during this winning stretch. They've won five of six. The most underrated player during this winning stretch is underrated. All right, I'll give you. I'll give you I, one. I, I, you go first. Okay. Well, I'll be, yeah. Just to take your look. It, it's almost hard to say anybody. Uh, if you're talking like starters, is completely underrated because we do talk about these guys a lot. But I'm going to go with Montez Sweat because when we typically are talking about the line, John Allen, Deron Payne getting the headlines, and and that's completely warranted. And like the young secondary has really gained some momentum with the conversation over the last few weeks for justifiable reasons. And then of course we talk about Heineken, but like Montez Sweat has really picked up his game in the last few weeks. Similar to the turnovers, he kept saying the sacks aren't coming, but when they do, they'll come in bunches. And now he has five in a handful of games, and he is really um, holding his own. I mean, you know, we'll get to Chase Young in a minute, but I just think like you know, he gives them that that outside presence that helps you know accentuate what the two dudes are doing in the middle. So I'm not saying he's like ignored, but like I feel like we probably we should be talking about him more, especially during this stretch, than we have been. But there's been so many other people to, to kind of get to. No, I agree. I think that's a good one. I think he's really been playing well. I'm very curious to see how the line plays together whenever Chase Young comes back. Um, but yeah, I think Montez is a good one. I was going to say, and I'm I'm probably going to take shit for this, but um, am I allowed to say that? I said it. Yeah. Um, Nobody's listening. I'm probably going to say Bobby McCain. I like it. I think he's you know, I think in and of himself, 
there are certainly better DBs. Um, he has had his mistakes. I think he's that that perfect personality and type of player for what they need right now. Um, you know, they they rearranged the secondary in the last few weeks to try to get Derek Forrest on the field more because he's playing really, really well. Um, and they were able to do that because they can move Bobby McCain down. How many free safeties can, oh, yeah, I'll just move down to the slot nickel, no big deal, uh, slot corner, no big deal. Well, he's already played corner in his past. He knows how to play safety. He, like everybody else in the secondary, can pretty much play every position. Um, position it's a flexibility. Uh, position flexibility, I hear, is a good thing for this team. Flexibility, yes. Um, the more you can do but I, I, I just think they have, they seem to have a really good rapport in that secondary. You can see them, you know, they have like their mini powwow back there in the locker room, which is brilliant because no media member wants to go over and interrupt. Um, so they never have to talk to us. It, it, when, when, if you approach the defensive backs, you definitely need to be ready. Cause and yeah. I, I'm not saying they're, they're not mean, but they, they will include you in their banter. Potentially I've gotten the, the death stare or the uh the questioning or the the, the, the snickering multiple times walking yeah. over there and uh, you got to be prepared because they are the loud part of the of the room they are very loud they are very loud and boisterous um and they have very heated conversations about everything from like their moms to rod wave to whatever you want to call it so they i mean they're a close-knit group and i think it shows on the field and i think a lot of it is because of bobby because i think he's kind of the glue back there um is he the best corner slash safety no but i think he's really good for what they need in developing these young guys and being versatile to move around the secondary so underrated bobby mccain and because he told me when he first arrived that when they got good that i need to write that shit because he was very unhappy with us writing negative stuff because they sucked at the time. I remember that Atlanta game. Uh, you know, it was uh, he yeah. he uh, he he made his presence felt that one for sure. I like that one, and he is, um, he's physical. I mean, he played effectively yeah. free safety, but he plays like a guy that could play closer to the line of scrimmage. He's obviously not the biggest guy, but he's not afraid to to mix it up. And that attitude, I think, really helps you know, set the tone and, and, uh, and so on yeah. along with the position. No, he's flexibility. A, he's a also say hello to Lewis. Look at that nugget. What up, dude? People can't <laughs> see it, but the, no, that's all right. But the dog is there. I was telling Nikki before I did a TV hit earlier and Lenny jumped up while I was doing live television behind me. I saw him there. And then the anchor made a point of saying, I don't know if you know, Ben, but your cat's behind you. I'm like, yeah, I'm where's Len bring him out. Uh, he'll we'll see where he, I don't know where he's at, but uh, he, he he's 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 trying to he's trying to come up with his own questions for what's going on here. All right, you mentioned Chase Young earlier. Let's get to him. We talked about today he was activated to the fifty three player roster uh, roster today. Not a surprise. We knew this was happening. The, his window closed. The twenty one day window closes on Wednesday, so it was going to have to happen, or they lose him for the season. But the question is, when's he actually going to play? And I don't think Ron Rivera gave us a definitive answer on that. So here's the question. We're going into week 12. The bye is week 14. Will Chase Young play before the bye week? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think he will. I think he will. Not much. I think he will. You think he plays Um, this week? 
I could see him in like situational downs, things like that. I think he's going to play very little as Ron alluded to in the presser. I think he's going to play very little. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, like he said, he he's only really had nine practices. And at this point in the season, there's hardly any contact in these practices. It's not like training camp when you got, you know, a certain number of full contact practices. Like these guys are barely touching each other. So to go from, you know, missing 19 games to, you know, full throttle, you know, that's not going to happen. So I, I could see him playing this week. It's just not going to be like what we're used to. Right. And Rivera said that he expects 12 to 16 snaps for Chase whenever he is able to play, ramp it up to like 20 to third, mid 20s to mid 30s, which is not a lot even at the ramp up end. So I think it's important to recognize that whatever version of Chase Young you think you're getting this year, it's not probably going to be the star one other than maybe a splash player too. He's going to be in that right. Casey two hillish type of, 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 of snap count. Um, I, Maybe I'm being a contrarian here. I'm going to say he doesn't play. Until, the, until after the bye week. I mean, it doesn't seem to me like he's going to play this week. We'll see. It's We're talking on Tuesday, They or sorry, on Monday. Mm-hmm. If he goes out and practices all week, then, you know, that could change the story. But it, it sounds like Rivera continues to say they need to hit, see him go kind of full out in practice, and he hasn't done that yet. It doesn't sound like. So right. I, I just think maybe they sit in this week, and then once you get to this week, you're going up to New York. You're playing on the turf, which everybody thinks sucks. So I don't know. I'm going to go. He doesn't play until after the bye. So he can come back and play on that grass, that FedEx field. where so many. Right. Nobody gets hurt there. Right. 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 No... It'll be fine. Right. It'll Nobody. Fine. Look, look, it's, 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 it's new turf. You can read about it on the athletic. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, all right. Let's go back to the quarterback. Taylor Heineke, yeah. barring injury. Now, as we, of course, know, the, the cat's out of the bag. Ron Rivera said that Heineke will start. It is effectively a week-to-week thing, yada, yada, yada. Carson Wentz at this moment is still not activated. Maybe he's this week, maybe not. It's Heineke's job until it's not. He's even been designated to return to practice. We haven't even made it that far. Right. Correct. Um. So, basically, Heineke is a starter until he's not. That said... Uh, true or false? True or false? Taylor Heineke will start the remaining six regular season games, barring injury. Yes, true. I mean, did you you remember those first six, Carson? I guess the only way it wouldn't be true is if they completely implode right. over these next five games, and it's Sam Howell time. But I, it's not going to be a Carson Wentz time. I don't. Um, know. Right. I shouldn't I mean, make any guarantees with this team. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. Right. If they lose to Atlanta and lose to the Giants and then go on the bye, could that be a point where they go back to Wentz? Sure. Like that. That could make some sense. But it just doesn't feel like it's going to be the case. And I also think, uh, whether it's been said directly or not, the decision to do this even though Rivera continues to say it's a one-week thing, we'll see, is to say we screwed up on the Wentz deal in, in, in that he's not the answer. Even if maybe he helps him win a game this year somehow, but he's not the he's not the guy they thought they were hoping to get because it's not getting him wasn't just about this year. It's about going forward. And if you're not going to just say he's coming back in, you're just not going to worry. You'll worry about next year, next year, and there's no way you would keep him for the 20 something million dollars. You know what I mean? So you put it all together. Right. It does feel like it's going to be Heineke the rest of the way, barring injury, or like you said, a pure implosion in which they would probably go to Hal or something like that. Are you cool with that though? Like, do you think, I mean, I mean, I guess we all agree, right? At this point, like John Allen said, I can't explain it. I don't know why it's working, Yeah, but it is. And I think that sometimes yeah. you just have to kind of roll with it. Yeah. I mean, I don't envision them going back to Carson once at all this season. I mean, I, I I thought before I even played that they were going to move on from after the season anyway, which is why they didn't move the money around to create more cap space of this season. You know, it was after those first six games when it was a disaster, it was very clear that it's over. So I don't I don't see them going back to them. There's always a scenario with this team and every other team in which they could justify it, I'm sure, but i not seeing it. Can, can I... Uh... Talk about not being popular. Can I defend Carson Wentz for a second? By all means. 
Okay, so clearly the team overall was a much more of a mess early in the season than they are now. The offensive line, I don't know if the offensive line is particularly good now. They seem to be playing better, and whether that's because of Heineke's mobility and whatever or not, they certainly weren't playing well for Wentz. They benched Trey Turner, who's now playing, and nobody seems to have an issue with with that. Uh, Wentz went through multiple centers. Uh, at least Heineke, for the most part, has been fairly consistent with Tyler Larson. Brian Robinson didn't play the first four games, and even in the fifth and sixth game, he's only just coming back from a from two gunshot wounds. Um, you know, uh, where else can I go? The defense is giving up, you know, one big play after uh, another. And there was a stat today that's, uh, I want to say, uh, Doug, I don't know how to say his last name, Keed? Kied. Kied from uh, Pro yeah. Football Focus. Oh, I don't know. Stat, the ba- I don't have the exact number, but basically it was the, the receivers dropped somewhere like around a dozen or 14 passes from Wentz. And since Heineke's been started, they've, they've dropped zero. Now, maybe there's something about the way these guys are throwing the ball, but the general consistency, something. So, like, and lastly on Wentz, all this talk about how they're vibing with Heineke, I get it. This whole streak started when Wentz played the second half of the Bears game with a broken finger. And I know he wasn't good, but that says a lot, right? We, you, you yeah. know, people write sonnets about people, football players who who play with broken appendages. So I I'm not suggesting they should go back to Wentz. I'm just saying, if the if it was reversed and Heineke had gotten the start, I don't know that we'd be in any any different spot than we were in now. But it is what it is. I I agree with you on a lot of that. Um except a lot of the offensive stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, the defense was given up those big plays and they've reduced those significantly. They've The defense has improved on the whole, majorly. The offense, I think Heineke helps align with his mobility. Yeah. Um, I still think they make mistakes. I mean, shoot, Tyler Larson had that snap over his head that he had to save and throw out of bounds. Um, I don't think Trey Turner is a good guard, not then and not now. Um I think having Brian Robinson helps, but even without him, they had Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, um, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas was working his way back. I mean, they had a number of playmakers. Um, I think it's just the way he plays. And again, I still think it's, you know, the fact that he's always trying to make those home run plays. I, he's still got an incredible arm Carson, um, and I think if, from what it looks like, he's been a really good teammate. I mean, everybody seems to be fine with him. Him and the rest of the quarterbacks get along quite well. Um, and he's been very nice to us. There's nothing against him personally. I just think Heineke makes the offense around him better because he can move. Yeah. I, and I also think the single biggest difference between them that I think is what's working is Carson Wentz has admitted flat out on the record and everything that his in his mindset is I'm throwing the ball, looking for the big play at all times. And Heineke's mindset is I'm getting the ball into the hands of my playmakers. I don't care if it's a one yard pass and letting them do their thing. And we see that with Terry McLaurin and these 50, 50 balls in particular, that's what Heineke is uh, doing. I do think that Robinson having, they didn't have that type of interior runner, the tough guy runner, and that's helping keep the chains moving. But so is Heineke for sure. Uh, yeah. Yes or no, we can just move on. Is Heineke the QB1 starting next year? No. And I was adamant about this before this past weekend, but now I'm wondering if there are things he can do to make the team feel otherwise. I mean, he's always going to have the physical limitations, but I do think his development year over year has made me kind of question the narrative of could he be a long-term starter in this league? I mean, three years ago, no. There was a reason he was a free agent for months. There was a reason reason he was a backup, and they only used him when they went to injury. But I think he has shown enough to make him rethink that. And I, I think they're going to have to give it serious consideration. He's going to be a free agent. They should resign him backup or starter because you need a good backup. But – the bigger decision, I, I think they're going to have to weigh heavily, especially because they're they're winning. They're not going to be, you know, in the top 10 in the draft looking at, you know, one of the top quarterbacks unless they want to give up a haul and trade up. Um, and it's not like great quarterbacks come on the open market every so often. So yeah. um, I think he's going to have to be in the consideration. 
but I, I think they should really resign him before he hits the market. All right, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. I've been really positive here, which is rare if, if you know for you and me podcast. But let's go with this. Is is Rivera and the front office getting something of a pass at the moment over the Carson Wentz trade and the William Jackson situation because everybody's focused on the winning, which is, of course, what people should be doing. But those are the two biggest uh, transactional choices they've made in the veteran market. And both, well, certainly the Jackson one's a big flop. And Wentz is looking like we're saying, like probably going to be a one and done. And they gave up the picks and took on the money and so on. Are they getting uh, are, are they getting something of a pass or does it not it just, you know, nobody's perfect. You make mistakes and who cares? I don't think they're getting a pass. I do think we've been critical of both moves, the once move especially, and I've still yet to figure that one out fully. I mean, obviously we know they needed a quarterback, but that one and the circumstances and the cost, none of it made sense to me. Um the William Jackson thing, I again, I don't think they're getting a pass. I think a lot of it has kind of been hidden under all the other insane things that have happened with this franchise. That said, I I do like that this front office is willing to cut ties when it doesn't work. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I used to cover the Denver Broncos. Heard about it. Yeah, they did not do that. They would keep guys year after year after year when it was clear that it was not working. Um, and granted, sometimes you have to do that given the money or the financial situation or whatever. Um, this one, it, it, at least they got something for him. We'll see if it actually turns out to be something since he's on IR and the pick was based on playing time for him um, as a conditional pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, clearly that was a mistake. They've admitted as much and they got to cut ties and move on. And I think they recognize smartly that Benjamin Benjamin St. Juice is a player that you can't sideline any longer. So I give them credit for, for moving on and finding the better player, developing the better player. But yeah, obviously that was a massive mistake in free agency. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, right, Jackson happened and then like two day, two or three days later, or right about the exact same point, Dan Snyder, right? Wasn't that one we the, the story of him selling the Not team? even days later, literally like, like that day, the next within day. Within the same hour. Like, <laughs> right, right. And this is also when like Brian Robinson was going to get his first start and Carson Wentz was dealing with a back injury. And then by the end of the, this was all in Chicago, you know, by the end of the evening, he also had a broken finger. So. Oh yeah, on on on, on the, when when the first report that he was disgruntled and and all that happened, but didn't like right when right when the trade deadline happened, right when he got traded, like like within hours of the next day or somewhere like it was like before we could even get to ask about William Jackson, something bigger happened. I don't remember exactly what it was because too many things um, happened. Might have been the Carl Racing Day. Um, when was the trade deadline? Week eight. I think it was a few weeks ago at this point. Yeah, I don't know. There's been a lot. So yeah, well, anyway, I'll just say this on the Wentz thing. If I could ask Ron something, if I was going to give him sodium pentothal, probably a lot of the questions I would ask first. But on this topic, it would be sort of like, do you regret that salesman Ron was too out in front as soon as the season ended, talking about getting a quarterback upgrade, which kind of boxed him into not going with with Heineke, even if he wanted to, because like. You could, after all the talk about we're going to do something, whatever, he was pretty dismissive of Heineke, like the idea that he could be the guy. And... He was dismissive of Heineke as of three weeks ago. Yes. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah, no, uh, for 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 sure. Um, all right, let me, next one. True or false, Jamin Davis has improved more than any other player over the course of the season. False. Ooh. He's improved. He's definitely improved more than any other player. No. Do you have another player then who's improved more? I would put Benjamin St. Juice and Derek Forrest ahead of him. Granted, we saw them very sparingly last year. Benjamin St. Juice was dealing with concussions. Derek was mostly a special teamer, used on only a few snaps on defense. But for them to come out in their second year playing the way they are consistently and to 
force Washington to basically move on from one veteran and their highest price free agent signing William Jackson and then change the position of another veteran just to keep him on the field. I think that says a lot. Yeah, I agree. And in some level, this is more of a perception thing because Jamin Davis was a first round pick in those first couple weeks. You know, we're hearing Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera question him publicly. And, you know, Rivera has now subsequently said now a couple of times that that was done, at least from his perspective, done on purpose because they he felt that they Jamie Davis could handle that needed sort of the tongue lashing out loud. He's got military parents. He could handle it. Other players, it's going to be a little more behind um, the scene. I'll, but I'll still say just yes. I mean, look, here's how far we've come. We went from the beginning of the year. His coach is saying, I don't know. And I don't know what's going to happen here to today. When asked about like sort of the the better who's playing well, it's like oh could I think he was asked about John Allen and Payne making the Pro Bowl. He just started listing off guys and said that Jamin Davis could quietly be in that conversation. And I think we were he all started like, listing the whole defense. He's like yes, but I think a few other guys should be added. Let me name the entire defense while yeah. we're at it. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm just saying like if to go from that to that, even if the coach is being just There's, overly optimistic. Yes, correct. There's only one other person that should be in the Pro Bowl, aside from Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, in my opinion. I'm going to guess he kicks a ball. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Tressway definitely should be. And I mean, he literally, like, Washington's punting stats are the best in the league in numerous categories. Obviously, that would be because of him. Yeah, yeah he's bonkers. It's crazy. All right. Uh, your biggest concern at this point, besides injuries, is... Um, I'll still say the offensive line because when you have to go up against, they're going to play Dallas later with with obviously Micah Parsons and that pass rush. You're going to have to play the 49ers later uh, with Bosa and that pass rush. You're going to have to play the Browns later with Miles Garrett. Um, and then obviously if you get to the playoffs, you know you're going to face some of the better teams. I, that's what I still wonder uh, uh, about. Whatever Heineke is doing, it's working. But I, you know, when the talent level starts to improve and you're going up against these star players what happens then that that so i guess i would say that but i mean that's already been kind of a standard thing it's probably not a shocker but that that to me is what still is, it seems like the biggest concern i would i would say just their vulnerability to making really costly mistakes in game a lot of it is heineke he's his decision-making is better as we've discussed, but he still has a tendency to throw that one ball that can change a game. Um, they have a rookie named John Ridgeway who gets a massive egregious penalty a game. Now that could, that could cost a game. Um, I think they, they gave up a 40 yard play to Brandon cooks yesterday. So it's much better, but they're still giving up these massive plays. Right. No, the, I mean, the Eagles, like, th- this is where it's, like, hard to tell, like, wh- what's what's the line between how well they're playing and getting a little bit lucky. The Eagles play, <coughs> excuse me, where Quez Watkins gets the 40-yard cap, uh, catch, falls down, and then St. Juice keeps tracking him, knocks the ball away. So they didn't get one play, having, having made that. They were already in field goal range, w- could have taken the lead, but good on Washington. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, right. I mean, there is – the big play thing is still is still a vulnerability – um, for sure. Um, the team MVP right now, I mean, candidates could include Terry McLaurin. It could include Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne. Could include Taylor Heineke if we're saying there's a lot of momentum. Taylor Heineke. W- I think it's it. obvious. In terms of value to this team, I didn't even, no what, player has affected this team more than Taylor Heineke this season. You're not even your boy Tress Way. You're going to... Uh... I think he's fantastic, but I think value to the team as a whole nobody has changed the course of this team more than taylor heineke in my opinion i mean the offensive line plays better with him terry is more productive with him the backs are better with him they're winning with him um i think the defense has been lights out but they can't they can't win without taylor they can play well but they can't win without taylor 
we, we all of us at some point do the bit where we're making a point, we're making a take, and then we say, in my opinion, do we do that because we don't want to come across as being rude or cocky? Because obviously it's your opinion. But I do this too. We all do this. Yeah, and I do it, and I'm like, God, that is so redundant. Like the editor in me is like, oh, what am I doing? Don't do it. Don't do it. And then I do it. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I had an a... old editor who's like, what do you it's like when everybody says I think before every sentence, he would just lop off I think. Well, obviously you think that if you're saying that, you know, like so yes, that went through my mind and I did it anyway. I, 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 well, yeah, I was I was just calling I was calling us out as a society for that, not not you in particular. I felt personal. <sighs> I mean, now that I've asked this question to you, I don't even know what I think because it's almost like hard to pick either of the defensive linemen because the other one is playing just as well. I kind of want to say Terry, but on the other hand, it's since Heineke has come in that Terry has really taken off. He did have good numbers before with Wentz, but it was very hit or miss. It was the 40 yard right. catch and then kind of he wouldn't catch the ball in the, the first half. quarterback couldn't get him the ball. Yes. Right, right. So, all right, I'll, 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 I'll play along and go with Heineke for that mm-hmm. purpose. Um, last question, unless you come up with something of your own. After all this is said, there are still how many games we got left? Six games to go. As we're talking, they are technically out of the playoffs. If the, I guess if the Niners lose tonight, Washington's in or whatever. It's it, they're they're right there. It, it it almost doesn't even matter. They have two more games with the Giants who are ahead of them. A game with the Niners. A game with Dallas. It's conceivable that by the time they play in New York in Week 13 that they could tie the Giants with a win because the Giants this week are at Dallas and Washington's hosting Atlanta. So mm-hmm. they could be right there. All that said, will the Manders, yes, the Manders, will the Manders make the playoffs? I'm going with yes. It'll be a wild card. They'll be one and done like 2020, but I feel like they, I feel like they're going to make it. I, I did what that. that means when a team just only gets a wild card spot and quickly loses and is out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I lost the brain power to debate that, but I think they'll make it. I, I was at the uh, at the Houston airport at six in the morning. Very jammed airport, by the way. The the, the jammingest place at the, on the planet at six in the morning today was the Houston airport for some reason. Um, sure. But anyway, so I'm talking to Kevin Sheehan half asleep while we're talking, and he says to me in the end. Are they going to make the playoffs? And I'm like, wow, am I half asleep? Because I think I'm going to say yes, because they are playing well. But also, like, you just look at the, what's ahead of them. The NFC stinks. Like, I've never, I was not buying into the Eagles being some juggernaut, even before the Washington beat them. And then we saw that they, you know, barely beat the Colts. And, you know, that could happen. But I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not convinced that Jalen Hurts is going to be a guy I'm counting on in the playoffs. Kirk Cousins is clearly a guy nobody is buying into. For for the, for that, Dak Prescott. I don't know. Dallas hasn't won a playoff game in forever. Jimmy Garoppolo. The Niners win with him, but nobody's going to be uh, you know fearing him. Look, if the Bucks get hot, obviously Brady is is Brady. My point is that man, like if they actually can make the playoffs, which I'm saying they will, and their defense keeps this up, I don't, I don't know. I mean, why why not them? The, the good thing is they are not forcing Heineke. I- not them okay, <laughs> <Russell>. <laughs> yeah Hi, it, put, put that on a bumper sticker uh <laughs> but like they're not forcing heineke to throw the ball 38 times a game to win they're recognizing the limitations put mm-hmm. run the ball control the clock this is what they did two years or it's what they did last year during the winning streak you do all that i'm not saying they're gonna make the super bowl although that would be the capper to this whole thing right dan snyder holds the trophy after everything but yeah. like I'm just saying, the NFC is so lame. Ah, I I don't know what to think anymore. So I'm saying they make the playoffs, and I'll leave it at that for now. I already booked my flight for Phoenix. I I believe yeah. it. Uh, to go back to the thing earlier about Heineke QB one, if they make the playoffs, like are we really gonna say? And because if they make the playoffs, right now his record, I think, of the regular season starter is eleven and nine. Yeah. Right. So at that point, it, you know, he what what are they going to say? He's not the he's not the starter. Maybe they still draft somebody in the first round, but like there are only two elite quarterbacks in the league right now. They there's a like last year you could get away with saying, oh yeah, you know he's we we got to find that guy eventually. Well, there's only two of them right now: Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. 
Aaron Rodgers, not good this year. Russell right. Wilson, not good this year. I mean, like, I would, you know, I'd rather have Joe Burrow. I I guess I'd rather have Justin Herbert. The Chargers are just bonkers. Sure. But, yeah. but, but yeah, but yeah, like, can he... great. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like Heineke at this point is basically, okay, we can keep saying he's a backup, but I think there's probably 10 backups starting <laughs> for teams. So, you know, he's our, he's our guy. So we view him this way. Other teams were like, yeah, we don't have anything to answer either. So why not him? Um, yeah. I have to right. go feed my dogs. Yeah. Good job on that. And do you see what they're doing to me? They're this very- dog has been like sitting like this. And whenever I stop petting him, he like, do you see this? He like paused me until I resume petting. And then I stop and he does it again. Well, this is what happens when I sit next to Paris at a game. Same thing. Look at this. Look at this. Because I'm not feeding him. I know. Uh, did you fail to feed Paris at the game? Yeah. Well, this is the same th- same thing that <laughs> happens. Uh, anything else for you? Anything we need to know about? Obviously, people need to go read you at the Washington Post at Nikki Jabala, N I C K I J H A B V A L A on Twitter. As long as Twitter is around. Anything else we need to know? Anything uh, you want to tell us to, to to think about, look at, ponder? I have a major story coming out soon. Epic. You're just saying that to scare me, right? It's about a dog. Oh. But not but not your it's dog. Not my dog. Yeah. All right. Well, stay, stay tuned for that one, people. Um, if that doesn't reel you into the Washington Post, I don't know what will. <laughs> if you don't get it, you don't get it. Um, Nikki, pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's-